Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Roddy Aglis. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. Our show today features some fascinating guests. Holistic cardiologist and homeopath, Dr. Lee Cowden, speaking with us from Panama. And one of the original Nader's Raiders, health freedom advocate and attorney, Jim Turner. And of course, we'll cover our usual segments, the supplement of the week, the burning question, and this week's drug-induced nutrient depletion report. But before all that, Radia, you have some very good news for people who regularly eat fish, don't you? Absolutely, Peter. A study reported on July 18, 2018 in the Journal of Internal Medicine revealed a lower risk of dying from any cause, uh, any cause during a 16-year follow-up period among men and women who had a high intake of fish or long-chain omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, which include EPA, DHA, and DPA. The current study is the largest amongst all studies that comprehensively examined intakes of fish and long-chain omega-3s in relations to mortality. Authors Wai Zhang and colleagues announced the investigation included 240,709 men and 180,580 women who enrolled in the National Institute of Health AARP diet and health study between 1995 and 1996. Questionnaires concerning lifestyle and diet were completed by the participants upon enrollment. When the risk of death from specific diseases was analyzed, men who had the highest intake of omega-3s experienced a 15% lower risk of dying from cardiovascular disease, and for women in the top group, the risk was 18% lower. Greater omega-3 fatty acid intake was significantly associated with a lower risk of mortality due to respiratory disease and Alzheimer's disease in men and women and with a lower risk of chronic liver disease and cancer in men. The authors stated the health benefit of fish is probably related to the abundant content of long-chain omega-3s which which possess anti-inflammatory properties and may prevent the development of inflammation-driven disorders including cardiovascular disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. Well, I, that's just an encouraging and remarkable information for people who do eat fish, but uh, maybe a warning shot across the bow for people who say, I don't like to eat fish. I don't like to eat fish. Well, we've talked and we're going to continue to talk about essential fatty acids. It's in our, in our conversation about the Supplement of the Week segment. There and, you go. And that's a five-part you know, series that I told you I wanted to cover. So Absolutely. So omega-3s, we're just going to continue to talk about them and continue to support them. Yep. And Peter, one of your favorite supplements is looking more and more promising. Boy, it sure is, Roddy. A study published in the leading academic journal Science showed that supplementation of 
compromise with nicotinamide riboside, a form of vitamin B3, resulted in both increased lifespan and enhanced health span. Science has found that nicotinamide riboside has the ability to reprogram dysfunctional stem cells to function as they did in youth. An international group of researchers investigated the impact of nicotinamide riboside on lifespan and functions related to overall health. The results, published in mid-2016, were remarkable. Aged mice, 24 months old, treated with nicotinamide riboside for six weeks, survived on average about 5% longer than control mice. And while this may seem to be a fairly modest increase, Consider a couple of points. First, the supplementation began when these mice were already fairly advanced and aged. And second, the average human life expectancy today is about 78.8 years. A 5% increase in this figure would add nearly four years, a significant increase if those years are healthy and rewarding ones. And aged mice supplemented with nicotinamide riboside demonstrated increases in maximum running times and distance and in grip strength, and chemically damaged muscle tissue from supplemented right, uh, mice were regenerated faster and regenerated muscle was bulkier than in mice fed the control diet. Supplemented mice showed increased proliferation and development of new brain cells, especially in the memory-intensive hippocampus region of the brain compared with control. And, well, boy, I'll tell you, that's an unbelievable uh, group of results. Well, you know, and Peter, you, you've told me about your favorite product, which tell our listeners what you use and what it's doing to your body, your workout well, as an aged mouse. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm three score and eight years old here, folks, and uh, I took a short course of nicotinamide riboside. Energy that I gained as well as the strength that I gained uh, were just incredible. It's in a thorn product, right? Yes, it is. Thorn, is it? thorn research, niacin Cell 250 is what mm-hmm. I is the variety that I take. It's available in, in with other companies, mm-hmm. but this is some, something that I think really we really do need to uh, emphasize as our show moves forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you talk about it a lot. So, and now it's time for our featured guest interview. Joining us from all the way from Panama is Dr. H. Lee Cowden. He's a chairman of the Scientific Advisory Board and professor of the Academy of Comprehensive Integrative Medicine of Panama. He's a U.S. board-certified cardiologist and internist and a licensed homeopathic medical doctor who is internationally known for his knowledge and skill in practicing and teaching integrative medicine. He has pioneered successful integrative treatments for cancer, Lyme disease, atherosclerosis, cardiomyopathy, autism, various other neurological conditions, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, silicone implant disease, and many other illnesses. He has co-authored six books and has contributed to several other books and publications. Under Dr. Cowden's direction, the academy with which he works has hosted many international integrative medicine conferences since 2010. ACIM has also recently completed video recording a 300-hour online core integrative, integrative medicine and fellowship training program, as well as wellness coach training programs to help train the next generation of integrative practitioners. Dr. Cowden, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Thank you for having me on. 
Hey, Dr. Cowden, your medical career started out rather conventionally. What caused you to switch gears and embrace integrative treatments? I uh, was in college in Lubbock, Texas, which is arid, and I moved to Houston, Texas to go to medical school. And soon after I arrived in Houston, I wasn't used to the grass and the weeds and the trees and the mold and the fungus and everything else that was in the air. So I developed well, uh, allergic rhinitis and then allergic sinusitis and then infective sinusitis, then bronchitis, then pneumonia. Oh. And, and I was following the, the directions of the chairman of the allergy and immunology department and the chairman of the ear, nose, and throat department and the chairman of the pulmonary department and uh, I got progressively worse following their instructions explicitly. And thank goodness my wife's grandmother came to visit us. Uh, she was a school teacher, a self-taught nutritionist. She had pity on me. She took me to the health food store. She got me on some vitamins, minerals, and herbs, and I got well. Oh, and wow. I thought, my, I thought, my goodness, I need to learn what this woman knows, and I t need to take with a grain of salt everything I learned in the training institution after this. Mm hmm well, as a medical doctor, that's pretty impressive that you were open enough. But I guess when you're in that much pain, uh, it's a motivating factor. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I think that really points out a very important uh, point in your story and the story of many other people. You really do get information that is of value to you from totally unexpected sources, and sometimes some of the people who have the most valuable information to offer you are, are the ones that, at least on paper, uh, are the least qualified. Yeah, well, it, our experience is what qualifies us best, and my uh, wife's grandmother had a lot of experience uh, using natural therapies for herself and her family and friends. Well, leave it up to our grandmothers. They, they usually have a lot of experience. <laughs> there you go. That's right. I remember that with my own grandmother growing up. Many, many things that she offered us that really have disappeared today but were of value and still are. Uh, but, Doctor, in contrast to orthodox medical thinking, you believe some of the major cardiovascular illnesses can be reversed and not simply treated. Uh, why is that? Well, I've seen that by experience. Um, I was so busy in practice when I was doing that work, I didn't have time to publish articles to help it, help other doctors to understand what was possible. I did uh, contribute a chapter to a book uh, years ago called uh, Alternative Medicine Definitive Guide to Heart Disease uh, by Future Medicine Publishing, so, so at least the information got into print somewhere. But uh, back in those days, I was uh, seeing patients with advanced carotid disease and advanced coronary disease, and uh, found that uh, that just by changing the diet, giving them proteolytic enzymes 30 minutes before food, giving certain antioxidant nutrients and sometimes some uh, vitamin D and MK7 and orthophosphoric acid, that we could reverse the plaque in the patient's arteries uh, in a very short period of time. I had one patient, for example, that had 90% blockage of the carotid artery, had uh, uh, transient ischemic attacks uh, at least once a week. And uh, <clears throat> when I put him in this program, in three months four, three months time, he had uh, t about 20 to 30% plaque in the same carotid artery. And uh, his, his cholesterol when we started was 380. His cholesterol when we finished was 350. So mm. what I proved conclusively from that study, that one patient study that I did, is that cholesterol has almost nothing to do with plaque formation or, or regression. 
Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. That's something that we've been beating that drum for a long time, and it's so great to hear that comment from you. And on that subject, or on the subject of cardiovascular disease, what is your what is your recommendation? What is your take on uh, calcification, uh, arterial calcification? Well, yeah, that that makes it a bit harder to reverse mm-hmm. the plaque, but not impossible to reverse the plaque with a combination of orthophosphoric acid taken 15 minutes before food, two or three times a day in water, and then chase chase down with some water, and then mm-hmm. also uh, vitamin D. Uh, three, uh, taking enough to get the blood level in the top quarter of the knowledge while lab core, and also by taking K7 in sufficient amounts that you can reverse the calcific plaque as well. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. And and K2, have you had any any? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. K7 is 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 the is the mm-hmm. most chronic mm-hmm. disease of the K2 uh, mm-hmm. vitamins. MK4 is more effective for brain, but MK7 more effective for for plaque. Yeah, and you've seen it reverse or be able to uh, at least move, remove some of that plaque from the artery? Oh, yeah, yeah. Count, count, countless oh. cases. That one I just mentioned, that calcific plaque in his carotid artery, it's 90% oh. blockage. And at the end of, at the end of uh, uh, about three months, he had you know, less than 30% blockage in his carotid arteries, and there was no more calcific plaque. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, as I meant, we mentioned at the uh, top of this segment with you, Dr. Cowden, you're operating uh, out of uh, with the ACIM out of Panama. Uh, what what led you down there, b- being a native Texan? Well, uh, you know, the Panamanians still have freedom of speech. We lost that in this country, unfortunately, and uh, so we can actually say what truth is down there without. Uh, Ended up in jail from a, a, an attack from the Federal Trade Commission. Mm. And, yeah, so it's it's so all about freedom. All about is, freedom. Is that you know um, what are some of the challenges you've in patients integratively? Well, usually not so much patients, but uh, but their doc their doctors who become jealous and the the, the licensing boards who who. Uh, Use the who, who who attack the integrated practitioners because they're doing things outside the box. Mm-hmm. Mm, outside of the box. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, which brings up a good point. You know, we we both uh, work here in Texas, uh, your original home, and one of the things that gets in the way of doctors uh, really offering effective treatments is for, for the benefit of our listeners something called. The standard of care. Uh, what are your thoughts about that standard of care as you understand it? Secondly, you know, what are the limitations that it places on uh, physicians being able to help or offer real help to their patients? Well, yeah, one, one of the attacks that I experienced with the Texas Medical Board was about a patient that had cardiomyopathy, ejection fraction less than 15%, when it should be 55% or greater. And uh, this patient was alive several years after he was supposed to be dead from that cardiomyopathic condition. And I came under attack because I was not doing the standard of care to keep him alive. Okay, I, wasn't, I didn't have him on the heart transplant list. I didn't have him on all kinds of drugs. And so the, the emergency room doctor that saw him said, well, this is, this is clearly quackery. And so he's the one that lodged the complaint with the Texas Medical Board. And, uh, you know, 
I have countless patients who have had ejection fractions less than 15% who are now alive and, and, and able to do anything they want to do 15, 20 years later with ejection fractions uh, either in the normal range or near the normal range. Uh, and I, they didn't have a heart transplant. They didn't have all the drugs that uh, it is the standard of care. So, so I, I unfortunately have to call what's what, what the uh, you know the medical board people call a standard care. I have to call that the substandard of care. Unfortunately, because if 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 a practitioner knows something that works better than what they call the standard of care, then that's what the doctor should do, not not what the the uh, powers to be dictate. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the problem, because both Peter and I have been in this field for a long time, I here in Austin have been in this field for 30 years, and I work with a lot of integrative medical doctors, and I have watched them absolutely be witch-hunted, and these are really brilliant doctors like yourself, gone through medical school, know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, and the, you know, the the, medical association gets the medical boards to get after these guys, and it's just really, some of them are very afraid to move out of the box because they're afraid they're going to lose their license, so they, they, even if they know what to do, they just are to terrified that they're going to be persecuted and prosecuted by a trade organization, which is basically what the medical association is. It's a trade organization. Exactly. You know, uh, for your yeah, for your listeners that know medical history, they'll find this one very interesting. Uh, it, uh, shortly before the time of uh, Louis Pasteur, who came up with the germ theory, uh, there was a, a brilliant doctor in Europe by the name of Samuelweis, and Doctor Samuelweis. Uh, noted that there was more deaths in in women that delivered babies and in the babies themselves in the hospital where he worked than there was in the midwifery center center right across the street from the hospital. So he went to watch what they did in the midwifery center and then he went back to watch what they did in the hospital to see if he could figure out why that was. And what he noticed in the midwifery center is that all the midwives washed their hands before they delivered the baby. In the hospital, that didn't happen. Oftentimes, the doctors were doing an autopsy on a dead corpse, and then they came from that autopsy lab straight to the uh, delivery room and delivered the baby without washing their hands. So Dr. Dr. Samuelweiss uh, called a meeting of the medical staff, and he thought, you know, this this is going to be important. This is going to save lives. And so he told them what he found, and his thanks was to get kicked off the hospital staff, to get his license removed, to get run out of the state. And it took another hundred years for doctors to start washing their hands. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we've, Roddy and I have talked about this on uh, more than one occasion. And moving the medical establishment is like trying to get a brontosaurus to move. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of high level roaring and screaming, and it takes years to <laughs> achieve results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And getting a legislature uh, that is not bound by these trade organizations and lobbyists, you know, they, they basically do their bidding. So it's also very, very hard in the health freedom arena to get these legislatures to understand that, you know, really the people are demanding that they get better integrative care and better, you know, traditional medicine, uh, uh, nutritional medicine, and other things that are less invasive uh, that don't strap them to, you know, a pharmaceutical uh, financial burden for the rest of their life. And, uh, you know, cutting and 
radiating and, and filling somebody with toxic chemicals uh, is should not certainly be primary medicine. Um, yeah. Well, Dr. Cowden, we're going to ask you to stay right there with us. Uh, we've got to go to break, uh, but this is a fascinating conversation that we want to continue after our, uh, our break here. And we'll be back with more of our fascinating interview with Dr. Lee Cowden after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life, but sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code wellnessconnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the wellness connection ahi at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection, A-H-I, at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And Peter, what do you tell your customers when they ask, what's in Wabe? Uh, you know, CBD oil? Well, you know, that's really an easy uh, answer, Roddy. Wabe's hemp extract oil contains natural, safe ingredients, hemp extract, MCT fractionated coconut oil and natural flavoring, okay, organic sunflower seed oil, and either cinnamon or peppermint oil, depending on which flavor you purchase. And their pet and flavorless products contain the following ingredients, hemp extract and MCT fractionated coconut oil. And you can find more information about Wave's products by going to www.waayb.com. Again, www.waayb.com. And Peter, I don't know if you know it, but Wave has a new flavor, lemon. Oh! And it is yummy. Awesome. I can't wait to try it. It's delicious. Fabulous. Welcome back to the Wellness Connection and our continuing interview with Dr. Lee Cowden. Dr. Cowden, are you also a medical uh, homeopath? Is that correct? How does homeopathy fit into the treatment you offer your patients? Yes, I uh, I started out with complex homeopathy about uh, 25 or 30 years ago and then uh, came into uh, the... uh, uh, the, the standard homeopathic, homeopathic treatment after that, and uh, you know the uh, the homeopath uh, of old would take a history from a patient and try to match up the symptoms of the patient with a, a known homeopathic remedy that had the same symptoms, and so that was based on the principles of Hahnemann, uh, who said like treats like. And it works very well, but it's very tedious. It takes about two or three hours to take a history and another hour or two to, to look through the repertory to find the right remedy. 
So I use uh, energy medicine instead to find the right homeopathic remedy, and that takes about five minutes. Mm. And, and so we use electrodermal screening or, con or contact reflex analysis or some other form of muscle testing to, to get at the, uh, the, the right remedy for the patient. Mm. Mm. That, that, that's a fascinating uh, subject to me, uh, Dr. Cowden. I, I once used uh, energy assessment techniques myself for complex homeopathic remedies, and you know that's really gone. It's become quite advanced, uh, as I understand it, over the years. I mean, they have some amazingly complex and accurate assessment systems uh, that are available, uh, of course, at a pretty hefty price, but it sounds like you've been able to really streamline it and uh, and keep it uh, very economical for the patient, first of all, but uh, very useful for you as a clinician. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of doctors uh, don't feel that they can take a two or three hour history from a patient. It's not, that doesn't work for their, their way of doing things in the office. So if I can teach them how to do something in five minutes, then they say, well, I can, I can squeeze in five minutes. So, so we, you know, I wrote software for an electrodermal screening system that uh, the, the, I teach the practitioners how to, how to do that. The, uh, the secretary or the receptionist can put the patient on the electrodermal screening system and push a button and collect data for some minutes till the, till the patient's ready to go back to see the doctor. And the, the, the doctor has either the laptop computer or the printout of the, of the testings to, to, to learn what they need to try to do for the patient, either diagnostically or therapeutically. We're getting very Star Trek-y, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. It's almost like we've got uh, one of those, what do they call them, tricorders? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, you know, Doctor, your treatments obviously are typically non-invasive, but how do your results compare to those with of surgical drug or radiation interventions for uh, treating diseases that the conventional community, say, would require? Uh, uh, amazingly well, actually. Uh, my uh, my wife developed pancreatic cancer in 1989, and so that was treated with uh, no surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy. In 1984, sorry, 1994, uh, she developed uh, breast cancer, and we treated that the same way also. In 1994, I developed prostate cancer and colon cancer, so we treated that without surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy. And so uh, when I tell somebody that, you know, Cancer can be reversed without uh, those those uh, allopathic methodologies. Then, then I I'm not speaking just from experience with patients, but experience with uh, personal. Mm. Wow. Well, you know that, and, and that brings up a good uh, a, a good point. Uh, when people look at your biographical sketch, uh, you do mention the fact that you have developed treatments for cancer, and of course, as you well know, here in the United States, uh, that kind of information is in some cases brutally suppressed uh, for primarily financial reasons. Uh, what would you say is the proportion of the patients that you see uh, at ACIM who uh, are dealing with cancer and you know what, what have been some of your successes? Uh, go on besides your own personal obvious obviously personal successes. Yeah well uh, the, the uh I think the uh, more impressive uh, results are those when the patient is told there's nothing else that can be done, go home and die. For example, uh, I had a, a physician who was a, a, a patient uh, many years ago 
he was told there's nothing else, go home and die. And he had uh, glioblastoma multiforme, which is the most malignant form of primary brain cancer. And he had he had, had uh, a surgical removal; they couldn't get it all. Uh, then he had a, uh, a, a two or three sessions of radiation therapy, and then they gave him a chemotherapy. And the chemotherapy caused him to be uh, to, to be placed in the intensive care unit uh, on a on a ventilator, on pressure medications, on all kinds of other life support methods to keep him alive. And amazingly, he survived that. So when he got out, he came to my office, and we did uh, treatment uh, you know, with all the natural means. So within three months, he was completely free of cancer, and uh, he you know had had no. You know, no more cancer development during during his life during his lifetime. So it, wow. it can can be can be done with lots of different types of cancer. Mm. Are you able to follow up with your patients, and and how do they fare health wise a few years down the road? Well, I just uh, recently saw a patient follow up who I treated for pro- prostate cancer uh, about 15, 20 years ago, maybe wow. that's probably eight, eighteen years ago. And uh, he was he was told he had uh, you know core needle biopsies of the prostate and all six cores were positive for cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, he was told that he had to have a prostatectomy. And the doctor he said, "Well, what's the side effects of that?" He said, "Well, you're likely going to get impotence and you might get incontinence of urine or stool or both." And he said, I'll, 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 "I'll be back with you if I if I decide to do this. Don't call me. I'll call you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so so anyway, he went went through the natural trade-off. treatment program that. Went to the national treatment program that I that I uh, suggested, and in uh, about two months' time, he was uh, free of cancer energetically. And I said, "I'm pretty sure you're free of cancer." He said, "Well, I gotta know." I said, "Okay, well, I can't stop you." So he went back to, to the urologist to get some more needle biopsies, and the first urologist refused to do it. So he went to a second urologist, and the second urologist said, "I'll do it, but I think you're crazy." And uh, so he he did uh, 18 core biopsies and could not find a single cancer cell in any of the prostate. So that was, you know, as I said, about 18 years ago when that patient had uh, you know, cancer reversed, uh, proven by biopsy. And uh, you know, so he's still alive and well. Lives, he lives in Panama. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, 18 core needle biopsies. Oh, my gosh, that, that makes me just reflex my knees together. <laughs> thinking about it. Oh, man, I, that's that's just uh, unbelievable. We just have a few minutes before break, uh, Dr. Cowden, and, and before we let you go, what are the three most important things our listeners should uh, know about how to prevent cardiovascular diseases? Oh, that, that's a, a tricky one. So, uh, <clears throat> so many people uh, uh, eat the wrong foods. Uh, they, they eat the, the the fast foods in our society. Uh, the reason they call those fast foods because they speed you to your grave. Uh, but, uh, oh, oh, I'm going to steal uh, that. <laughs> but, but, but the uh, but, but the fast the, the other food that they eat a lot is uh, is uh, scrambled eggs or egg omelets, whole egg omelets. Uh, you, you break you break the uh, yolk and expose it to heat and oxygen at the same time, and the the uh, cholesterol that's in the yolk becomes oxidized. Now, oxy oxy cholesterol will cause plaque in the arteries, whereas regular cholesterol will not. But uh, so they so if you're going to eat a, eat an egg, make sure that you uh, don't break the yolk before it's fully cooked. So you eat uh, lightly poached eggs or lightly boiled in the shell. 
another important thing for uh, preventing atherosclerotic disease is, is is knowing something about what goes on in your wisdom teeth uh, sockets. Uh, most people have their wisdom teeth removed in this country. Most people have it re- removed incorrectly. Do remove the wisdom teeth incorrectly, they get a chronic infection in the wisdom teeth. They did a study at the military base in Colorado Springs and found that if the military recruits that had all four wisdom teeth removed, they had a 100% probability of having at least one of those four sockets chronically infected. Wow. And so if you, if you don't know that, don't look for that, then that contributes to the heart disease because the heart meridian and, and the uh, circulation meridian are back there in that, uh, in that space. So how do you find out uh, if you've got chronic infection? Well, yes, uh, there's various ways. There's thermography, uh, infrared imaging thermography or computerized regulation thermography. There's also uh, uh, what's called cone beam CT scan, cone beam computerized tomography of the jaw, and that'll show show you where the problems are. Uh, There's uh, certain nuclear imaging procedures that will find it. Uh, but but most standard X-rays miss it. Uh, the the Panorex X-ray that most dentists do misses it. Hmm. So so you have to have to. I, I usually find it by energetic testing, either electrodermal screening or by, by uh, muscle testing of some type. And uh, and then once you find it that way, then you can verify it with one of those other means. Hmm. And, then, and then once that's, once you find that, then you need to clear, clear that out, clean that out. And then the other emotion, the other thing is that causes uh, atherosclerotic disease is, are the emotions. If you are aware of which emotions cause atherosclerotic disease and, and, and do things to avoid the buildup of the toxic emotions that do that, then uh, you don't end up with a, with a disease. Doctor, we just have a few seconds left. Could you f- uh, give uh, our listeners the website uh, for ACIM and uh, then we need to let you go. Yes, uh, ACIM. Uh, connect acimconnect.com is our main website and everybody that's listening should become at least a free member in that and then start looking at the free courses that we have in there and then everybody that's listening should also come to our international conference in Orlando, Florida Uh, the public conference is uh, November 9 and 10 in Orlando that's on acimevents.com and our health professional conference is in uh, Orlando 8th, 8th, 9th and 10th and that's on acmconnect.com. Well, there's so much more we'd like to ask you, Dr. Cowden, but that's all the time we have today. Uh, thank you, Dr. Lee Cowden, for joining us on the Wellness Connection. Yes, thank you to your friend today. Thank you. Thank you. All of us go through menopause or andropause at some point in our life. The changes in our body make us feel depressed, less confident, and lethargic. Research shows that levels of testosterone drop 50% between the ages of 20 and 40 for females and almost 1% every year for males over the age of 40. Alpha Male X and Alpha Female contain a powerful blend of nine synergistic ingredients designed to help support healthy hormone metabolism in men and women. Additionally, the select ingredients in this formula have been proven clinically effective in supporting sexual health and energy, promoting healthy cortisol levels, and providing dopamine support. When it comes to hormones, one supplement does not fit all. So be sure and visit alphatherapeutics.us and fill out the questionnaire to get the dosing instructions that are right for you. Use the code wellnessconnection for a 15% discount on your first order. Let's connect because together we make our lives better.
You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Welcome back to The Wellness Connection. You know, Peter, uh, I've got my brother on this formula, and he seems to like it a lot. Yeah, and I've got lots of male clients that come in all the time looking for this product because it works so well. God forbid if we run out, I get so (laughs) many guys clamoring for it. But let's talk a little bit about the women. You know, we usually think of testosterone and males, but women also need testosterone, especially when they reach menopause. That's right, and um, women also lose testosterone after menopause, just like men do when they age. And that's why she gains weight and loses muscle mass. Yes, and loses energy and sex drive. And even cognitive Yeah, function. and we've heard about all of those. One of my favorite uh, illustrations is the seven witches of menopause. (laughs) All right, and because of the marked difference in the total and free testosterone in both women and men, a slight increase in SHBG in a woman will decrease her free testosterone as well. Remember, the total may be normal, but the free, very low. As a result, physicians tend to say that because of the normal total testosterone that women need not be treated, which is not true. That's right. An alpha female has ashwagandha in it to manage her cortisol as well as DIM to balance her estrogen. And now it's time for our weekly feature, the Supplement of the Week. And what would that be today, Rodia? Well, Peter, as I mentioned in our last show, I'm going to go into a little more detail on omegas. Yay! (laughs) You'll notice when you look at a balanced omega, it'll have both EPA and DHA in it. EPA and DHA are both important types of omega-3 with different roles and actions in the body. I'm so glad you said that because so many people come in looking for either EPA PA or DHA, and we need both, but our requirements for each fat does change throughout life, and therapeutic use of omega-3 involves specific ratios of EPA and DHA at differing levels according to different conditions and health concerns. So let's just start with EPA. EPA levels are under constant demand. And low EPA levels in adolescents and adults correlate strongly with development of mental health issues, including depression, dyslexia, uh, dysgraphia, heart problems, joint and bone conditions, as well as neurodegenerative diseases such as MS and Parkinson's disease. Yeah, the ultimate goal of using omega-3 fatty acids is the reduction of cellular inflammation. There's that I word again. Mm -hmm. We've talked so much. If you recall in our last conversation, on EFAs, I mentioned prostaglandins. <laughs> prostaglandins are a part of our larger group of chemical messengers known as, ready for it, eicosanoids, and are the primary intermediary of cellular inflammation. EPA becomes the most important of the th- omega-3 fatty acids to reduce cellular infla- inflammation for several reasons. Well, first of all, EPA is an inhibitor of the enzyme Delta-5-desturage, D5-D, that produces 
we talked about this before, arachidonic acid. Remember, we mentioned that the last time we, we covered this. Yes, that's right. And you'll find arachidonic acid from red meat, sugar, and processed foods, and hydrogenated fats like margarine, which turns on inflammation. The more EPA you have in the diet, the less arachidonic acid you produce. This is, uh, you know, what essentially it does is choke off the supply of arachidonic acid necessary for production of pro-inflammatory eicosanoids, such as prostaglandins. EPA and arachidonic acid are very similar spatially, so that they are in constant competition for that enzyme necessarily to release arachidonic acid from where it's stored in the membrane. In other words, if you don't release arachidonic acid from the cell membrane, then you can't make inflammatory eicosanoids. That's right. The inhibition of this D5D enzyme is the mechanism of action used by corticosteroids medication, such as prednisone. So if you have adequate levels of EPA to compete with arachidonic acid, you can achieve many of the benefits of corticosteroids without their side effects. But Radia, how is EPA different than DHA, which is also part of our omega-3s? So check this out. DHA can't fit into the active catalyst site of the D5D enzyme that competes with arachidonic acid because it's larger spatial size. Because of its increased spatial dimensions, DHA is not, good, uh, not a good competitor of the enzyme related to EPA, but DHA has other important benefits, and we'll talk about that in our next show. Yep, and for cardiovascular health, elevated triglyceride and cholesterol levels are risk factors for heart disease, and managing lipid levels is essential. And blood levels of EPA, not DHA, are associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease events. Treating with pure EPA has cardiovascular health benefits that are clinically superior to DHA-containing oils. Yeah, I prefer barley swirl for EPA-DHA balance. But if you're looking for extra cardiovascular support, I recommend the Pro-EPA Extra by Nordic Naturals. And now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. Well, Kathy in Santa Cruz asks, what's the difference between niacin and niacinamide? Well, Kathy, niacin or vitamin B3 is also known as nicotinic acid and is one of the essential human nutrients. Niacin deficiencies can result in Pallegra, and this is symptoms that include delusion or mental confusion, diarrhea, nausea, inflamed uh, mucous membrane, and scaly skin sores. And nicotinic acid is known to lower two types of so-called bad cholesterol, LDL and VLDL, as well as increased levels of good cholesterol, or HDL. In fact, when used with diet with lifestyle changes such as losing weight, eating healthy, and increased physical activity, niacin helps to lower high cholesterol and it can increase HDL more than other medications. Now, niacinamide, however, a.k.a. niacinamide or nicotinic acid amide, is derived from niacin, and the body can niacin to niacinamide. However, there is some critical difference between these two vitamin B3 components. Niacinamide can also be made by our body from an amino acid known as tryptophan. Although the two are used in a 
Actually, they are different. They have different properties, and their physical effects on the body also differ. And people who are sensitive to the effects may prefer the other one, one over the other. And high niacin doses flushing, a condition that causes blood vessels to widen. This makes the capillaries under the skin expand to allow more blood to flow, making the skin to become red and itchy. Niacinamide doesn't have that effect on skin flushing. <clears throat> but, you know, it doesn't also work. It, it, it helps with, uh, but it doesn't work in cardiovascular health. Yeah, some niacin is converted to nicotinamide. Nicotinamide is converted to a compound called NAD. NAD is an important part of energy-making cycle, a.k.a. the Krebs cycle, as well as important because it is the de-enabler molecule that helps prevent a certain DNA-based aging mechanism. Products labeled as no-flushing niacin generally contain no nicotinic acid. The main component in these products is inositol hexanicotinidate. Um, but really important to realize that, um, that inositol nicotinate works as other B vitamins work to promote energy metabolism and nervous system health. However, because the cholesterol-lowering properties of niacinamide are inhibited, I don't recommend it for cholesterol reduction. Well, in, and just to, to shorten things, the cliff nose virgin is if you're just starting to take niacin, begin at a low dose, dose and gradually increase the dose as recommended by your healthcare practitioner to help minimize flushing. And note, for those who have a history of stomach ulcers, you should not take niacin. But I recommend niacin by Douglas Laboratories or niacetol, no flush niacin by pure encapsulation. And you can submit your own burning question by going to the wellness connection at ahi at gmail.com. That's the wellness connection, ahi at gmail.com, and submit your own burning question. And tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You're listening to the Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life. But sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code WellnessConnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. listening to the wellness connection if you have a question or comment for peter aradia please send it via email to the wellness connection ahi at gmail.com that's the wellness connection ahi at gmail.com now let's return to this week's show It's time for our weekly feature, the drug-induced nutrient depletion update. And what would that be? Well, Peter, 
Here's a drug worth repeating because most people are on this drug, and I bet you don't think of caffeine as a drug. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And nutrients that may be depleted from caffeine consumption are zinc, B-complex, vitamin K, and biotin. Well, a zinc deficiency may cause decreased bone metabolism and structure, decreased protein digestion, decreased energy production, decreased insulin activity. My, the list goes on. It may decrease normal taste, impair wound healing and our immune system, as well as impair skin's normal oil gland function. And of course, B-complex deficiencies may cause loss of appetite, energy loss, and a decreased metabolism of all of them, protein, carbohydrate, and fat. Yep, and uh, losing vitamin K means that our proteins that allows the blood to clot won't operate efficiently, and it also will hinder the uh, proteins that control calcium. And biotin deficiency may cause anemia, heart abnormalities, slow cell growth, uh, decrease in antibody and lymphocyte formation, dull, dry hair, and thin nails. So if you're drinking a lot of caffeine, I would recommend taking a good B-complex. And if you're vitamin, if you're low in vitamin K, I recommend, I like uh, Synergy K by Pure Encapsulation one a day, or Super K by Life Extension one a day. Yeah, don't forget to take that extra zinc. And finally, be sure that you take a B-complex that has biotin in it otherwise add it yep so if you purchase these drugs be sure and talk to a qualified pharmacist or wellness consultant to help you with finding the right supplement and dosage to complement your drug prescription yeah and that would be purchasing at starbucks in this case (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) and now it's time for our health freedom segment and joining us today is our good friend and fellow advocate attorney jim turner he's a principal in the washington dc law firm swankin and turner and represents businesses as well as individuals and consumer groups in a wide variety of regulatory matters concerning food, drug, health, environmental, and product safety matters. He has appeared before every major consumer regulatory agency, including the Food and Drug Administration, Environmental Protection Agency, Consumer Product Safety Commission, and Federal Trade Commission, as well as the Department of Agriculture and the National Institutes of Health. Jim has served as special counsel to the Senate Select Committee on Food, Nutrition, and Health, and to the Senate Government Operations Subcommittee on Government Research. He's also been a policy consultant to major corporations in the food, pharmaceutical, and telecommunications industry, including such companies as Kraft Food, the Quaker Oats Company, Hoffman LaRoche, and AT&T. Jim, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, Jim... uh As you well know, all eyes in the health freedom world are now on the recent court decision involving Monsanto and its herbicide roundup, and we just saw recently that that decision was upheld in court, including uh, not only uh, both actually double damages to include uh, punitive damages. Could you please give our listeners a recap of where you now know that case stands? Well, uh, the, my understanding is that, uh, first of all, it's in a major breakthrough case. That's the, that's the number one point. Uh, secondly, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of other cases similar to that case uh, coming along. Uh, I know that uh, the Bayer folks made a uh, presentation earlier this week, uh, uh, or perhaps late last week, uh, which they wanted to assure their uh, pest stockholders that it wasn't really a big problem. 
everything was uh, going along fine, and uh, it was an aberration. Uh, interestingly enough, they said that the um, the jury was an intelligent, a very relatively intelligent jury with a number of smart people on it, and they wouldn't expect other juries to go the same way. Uh, I think that that's kind of a, a, a cynical way of looking at the a, a fundamental health problem. Um, the number one thing to know is, uh, or at least here's a recommendation, I think from now on we should always talk about this as Monsanto Bayer. Uh, Bayer is every bit as bad an actor as Monsanto. They now have purchased Monsanto. Uh, they're, uh, they're out there uh, continuing uh, not only their bad practices, but those of Monsanto. This case is like, uh, breaking, a, is like breaking a boil. This, uh, 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 operationally, uh, it's quite possible that we will see many, many more cases of this kind. Uh, and my, my sense of the case right now is it seems to be holding and going forward. Uh, the fact that it has, uh, has been won at a jury level and has created uh, the situation that, uh, uh, that um, Monsanto has been thoroughly examined and found to be wanting uh, is a major, major point in the dealing with the Monsanto company. Uh, I have wow. to. I should give a little, a minor. I should give a minor uh, personal disclosure here, uh, so everyone understands my bias. Uh, I battled on uh, with Monsanto on uh, NutraSweet, the sweetener, uh, and uh, so much so that uh, at one point uh, we had to get some discovery from them, uh, hundreds of documents, and that meant going to Monsanto and getting the documents. And uh, interestingly enough, they uh, they barred me from entering their 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 land, and instead uh, took these thousands of documents and took them to a hotel ballroom, and uh, we had to work outside their space because they did not want me on their land. Uh, so I just I just say this is a bad actor company, and now we've got two of them uh, combined together. They're bad actors, and uh, this is a great breakthrough in uh, moving the ball down the field to get the public protected from the kinds of things they do routinely. Well, barring you is a good indication that they're running scared. Um, and virtually every attorney I know calls this a landmark. So what are the implications here for Monsanto? Well, um, uh, I, think, uh, in, uh, uh, I think in a key way, this has now moved to the political realm. Uh, generally, uh, a company like Monsanto, and, and Monsanto in particular, uh, is very confident that they can hold back the tides of the society in the courts. They're very confident, and they work, and you, you saw that in the, in the smoking, uh, you know, tobacco area, uh, asbestos, a whole range of areas where they've uh, used the courts to block the public from uh, actually being heard. Uh, and um, I'm pretty, I, I suspect that Monsanto thought this case was going to go the other way, uh, and it was going to just be another, uh, you know, just another uh, a little bubble on the waves that didn't see anything happen from it. But now that this has opened up, it is definitely a landmark uh, in the sense it's a landmark at the trial level. Uh, it's, uh, I don't think yet a landmark at the, uh, at the uh, uh, lawmaking level. I think, I think we're basically applying the laws as they exist. I think Monsanto and Bayer, Monsanto Bayer as I like to call it, uh, will be uh, going to the political realm to try to figure out ways to... Uh, uh, solve their, their problems uh, from a political side. I know that uh, very early on uh, when I started in this work, we ended up uh, getting um, cyclamate removed from the market back in 1996, uh, 1969, 
And uh, the next thing that the corporations did was go to the government and get a full money compensation to bail them out of their losses for having that happen. Um, I I would expect Monsanto Beer will go in that direction. I think they'll try to settle all these cases that are out there, and they'll they'll write a number, you know, several you know several hundred million or whatever it is, and offer every one of the plaintiffs a a solution uh, of some kind, dollar wise. Um, I would suspect some of those people will not take that resolution. Um, now we don't know, you know, we, I'm not at all sure, uh, how the, uh, courts will handle a, a lot of cases. Uh, sometimes they'll put them together, uh, in a discovery, uh, a discovery pool, uh, and then, uh, maybe a negotiated settlement might come up for everybody. But I think it's a huge, I think it is a huge landmark. Uh, case at the trial level because it demonstrates the vulnerability of uh, Monsanto Bayer in uh, what it's been doing over the years. Well, and the shareholders have uh, paid attention to it. I saw uh, just not long ago, day before yesterday, that uh, Bayer lost 57.7 billion euros in uh, market value as a result of the fallout of this. Jim, we've just got over a minute to uh, to go. Can you briefly tell us what your thoughts are on how this will affect the American agricultural community and food supply? Well, um, my, my, my own sense is that Monsanto has been a drag on uh, the production of food generally. Uh, there's never been the kind of uh, the kind of benefits uh, that they've uh, that they've claimed for the combination GMO Roundup situation. Roundup is a bad product. It was a bad product the day it was announced, the day it was introduced. I think it was 1974. Uh, it's been it's been hyped by advertising. Uh, I don't think it's been helpful to farmers. I know a lot of farmers are terrorized by Monsanto uh, and. Uh, I think uh, the farm community, I mean, and we as consumers and our consumer group, has worked really hard to hook up with the uh, with the farmers, the non the non industrial farmers, to see if we can't uh, uh, make common cause here. And in fact, I think this is a benefit to farmers. I think they can uh, feel uh, the noose around their neck loosened a bit. Uh, Monsanto has been extremely vicious uh, to uh, the farming community. Uh, and not only that, but the, some of the stuff that they've done with their runoff and so forth has destroyed thousands of acres of agricultural land. Basically, Monsanto Bayer has been a really bad player in the agricultural community. Well, this is such a fascinating topic, and we are going to bring you back again, Jim, because we want to talk some more about that. But that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Jim Turner, for joining us on the Wellness Connection. Thank you for having me, and I'm happy to come back anytime. Awesome. We'll have you back. Be sure and tune in next week, and of course, be sure to submit your burning question. The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Roddy Iglesias. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the Wellness Connection, brought to you by Wave and Alpha Therapeutics. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to The Wellness Connection with Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.